0: Well, good morning, Pine Lake Covenant Church. Hi, good morning. My name is Pastor Becca, and uh, it's just such a great, great joy to be here together this morning. It is uh, extra joy for me because I have been um, preaching and traveling a lot for my other job, and so when I finally get the chance to be here in my home church, I am filled with joy. So I'm excited that we are getting to preach on joy in this wonderful um, series on being joyful. And it actually works out really well for me because my middle name is Joy, Rebecca Joy. And so, you know, that was really fun growing up because whenever I was grumpy, my sister would say, you're not living up to your middle name. I think these are going to be problems. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not nice. Is that better? Okay. <laughs> Being a woman preacher, you know, <laughs> the earrings are getting in the way. Uh, so yes, it's a tall order to have a middle name like joy. But in fact, um, joy, being joyful is a tall order in scripture. It is an invitation and it is a command that we find saturated in scripture. The word rejoice occurs 192 times. And sometimes we read that people rejoice exceedingly with great joy. That's like double joy all the way. Joy in Scripture is viral, kind of like Charlie bit my finger or a corn day. No? Yes? <laughs> okay, got to Okay, it's like that, but different. <laughs> it's all over Scripture. It saturates Scripture. I think truly the mark of a Christian is one of joy. Um, maybe this is also why we have so many campy camp songs about joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Right? What's another one? I've got the? Yeah, let's go. Where? (laughs) Where? (laughs) All right. What about this old one? You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. Wow. It's just me all by myself on that one. Okay. Maybe, maybe that was like a weird missionary kid song that we would sing, but um, so that concludes my sermon. Okay. All right, so today our focus is on having joy and a joyful attitude of heart. Um, so turn to your neighbor and say, you've got attitude. And if you're an introvert, if you're an introvert, just turn to your neighbor and smile. All right, friends, let's turn to Philippians 2. Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, therefore, my dear friends, this is our verse for the day. Oh, I'm doing it. That's right. Here we go. I got this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like... Shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So this morning we're going to unpack some pieces of this and I want to focus on two things about having a joyful attitude. What steals our joy and thus causes the mumbling and the grumbling he mentioned, right? And what gives us joy and thus causes our shining. Grumbling and shining. I thought about calling this sermon the shining, but I'm like, maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> So, joy grabbers and joy givers. Our primary joy stealer is envy. A primary joy giver is mission. Being on mission together. So we're going to start with the thief, envy. In our first verse, Paul says to do everything without grumbling or arguing. Is that kind of hard, children? (laughs) Wow, right? (laughs) In my house, we are not allowed to say the F word. Now you're like, not a shocker? Let me be clear, F stands for fair. and our house, we are not allowed to say the F word. It is not fair, it does not belong on our lips because it's a grumbly, mumbly, poisonous word of envy. Now how easy it would be, we're also not allowed to say the other F word too, by the way, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. Now how easy it would be for Paul to say the F-word, right? This it's not fair. Remember as Pastor Austin and, and friends have been preaching, Paul is writing this whole um, letter to the Philippines for Philippi in jail. How easy it would have been for him to think, gee, it's not fair. I am stuck here in jail, suffering, right? Well, John and Mark and Thomas and Mary and Mary and Mary and Mary. And Mary are off preaching and evangelizing and in their homes with their families. But that grumbly toxin of envy did not grip Paul at all. It did not steal his joy. In fact, he says he rejoices that he is being poured out like a drink offering. But indeed, friends, envy will rob us of joy. For when we are so preoccupied in looking and wanting what someone else has, wishing we had their life, we are not able to rejoice in the life that we have. When we live in the spirit of if-onlys, we will have only-onlys. As many of you know by now, I was born in the Congo. Maybe you don't. I was born in the Congo. Anyone else? (laughs) No, (laughs) to covenant missionaries. And being a missionary kid meant that we would go home on something called furlough. And a furlough was when we would come back to the States and we would visit all the churches that support us and report on the good work that God was doing in the mission field in Congo. So as children, you know, this was really fun. (laughs) Because we would be dragged from church to church to church to church to church. And we'd be like, oh, all the people are like, oh, you've just grown so much. And I'm like, you think? It's been for years. A little snarky. Or they'd say things like, what's it like in Africa? And I'm like, what's it like in North America? Um, so we would go from church to church to church. And one church we were at was fancy. And we were brought up to the front. And we were tired. But we lived for the presence and the food. Okay? So we're brought up to the front. And they are talking about us. And um, and they give us the presents, and I'm just so grateful. Finally it comes to the present time. And remember, I'm seven. I just want you to keep that in mind. And we get this present, and I get this stuffed animal, and it's this gray bear, this fluffy, sweet little gray bear. My sister gets her present, and she gets a brown bear. Now I'm standing with my gray bear, and I look over at my sister's bear. It's chocolatey and beautifully covered, and mine is now dull, dull and gray. And I look at her bear, and I look at my bear, and I look at her bear, and I look at my bear, and I took her bear. (laughs) I have never wanted something more in my entire life than my sister's bear. I take her bear, she takes it back. I take her bear, she takes it back. And now we are pulling and grabbing and grabbing and pulling and crying and screaming and kicking and hair pulling right underneath the cross (laughs) with my parents just freaking out (laughs) because I wanted her bear. She had a better bear. Friends, what's in your neighbor's hands? Does someone have a better bear? Is envy robbing your joy? Now, I've come a long ways from bear grabbing, yet I haven't, right? Still to this day, someone has a better bear, and I want it. I too often struggle with thinking contemptuous thoughts about other people's homes, vacation, life, spiritual life, people's ability to eat gluten, sugar, yeast, and caffeine without a price. Who are you? Who are you people? I want that. What do you envy? Cars with greater horsepower than yours? Golf scores? Jobs? Obedient children? We are only... A click away from wanting, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> you're great. <laughs> Friends, we are only a click away on social media from wanting other bears because social media beckons us to come and see what you should have. Now, Proverbs says that envy rots the bones and destroys the soul. Wow. There's a sentence. In the words of Jonathan Edwards, envy drains all joy out of your life. Never underestimate the spiritual power of envy, friends. The late and great Tim Keller preaches on envy. He says, how do you know that envy is in your life? When nothing is good enough. When nothing is good enough. Envy is a vacuum pump on joy. It will literally suck the joy out of your life. Now, I believe this joy grabber is best illustrated through the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, displayed in the narrative of the elder brother. Now, Jesus tells this story of the younger son, right, who goes and asks his father for an inheritance early. The father gives it to him. He squanders all of it. He comes to a point where he's homeless and he's starving, and he thinks, maybe I'm going to go home. Maybe my father will, will give me a home as a servant, and I can at least be fed and live, and he heads home the father sees his son that was lost far away right and runs to him bestows on him all these lavish beautiful gifts pulls him into the house and throws a magnificent feast killing the fattened la- the fattened calf and it's a grace-laced party and there is rejoicing for our purposes today we're focusing here then envy makes an appoint- an appearance verse 25 says meanwhile i love that meanwhile The older son was in the fields working and when he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house and asked one of the servants what was going on. The servant replies, your brother is back and your father has killed the calf and and we're preparing this great feast and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you you kill the fattened calf for him. Well, envy. So the servant goes out to him and he says, Hey, dude, there's a party going on. Come in and celebrate. And the older brother, it says, became angry. And refused to come in. His response to his father reveals, friends, that envy had taken a foothold in his heart. Right? He is complaining. And he is grumbling. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And you've never given me this or that. But now you give my brother this really nice bear. And he doesn't even deserve it. And so, envy binds him to the back door of joy. But he is invited. He's invited twice, in fact. There is feast, there is dancing, there are people shining like stars in there. There's rejoicing, there's some sick beats being laid down in that house. Does he come in and rejoice? Now, as Pastor Mark preached about a while ago, Jesus leaves the parable open like that. We don't know. Jesus purposely leaves it open so the listeners have a question and an invitation. Will you come in? Will you come in and rejoice with me? Will you share my joy, the Father asks us. Or will you let envy chain you to the back porch of the party? It's open-ended. We don't know what the elder son chooses, but we do know, in fact, how it ends. Because the parable was spoken as a point to the religious leaders, the Pharisees who hated Jesus, who was represented by the Father in this story. They are to rightfully see themselves as the elder son in the story, for they despise Jesus for loving and rejoicing with the younger sons, the lost children who were coming home to him, the ones that he went out to get, the ones they were labeling as outsiders and sinners and foreigners and unclean, those on the underside of power, the Gentiles, the foreigners, the ones who did not work as hard for righteousness as they did, yes? Yes? And so we see that the elder brother did make a choice. The elder brother, the religious leaders, did not come in to the party. They did not rejoice with the father in finding the lost. They let envy take a foothold and then a chokehold. And instead of shining like stars, they entered into darkness and killed the father. Oops, I'm going the wrong way. Matthew twenty seven eighteen says, It was out of envy they handed Jesus over to be killed. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. Friends, likewise we too are given an invitation. We can remain at the back door, just inches from heavenly celebration, from a life and life to the fullest. We can let envy dominate our life and rob us of all joy and lead us into anger and darkness and a refusal to take hold of the word of life and hold on to Jesus. Or we can receive the invitation to life of rejoicing with the Father that can permeate every aspect of our life and make us shine like our stars. The invitation is ours. But are we sitting just inches from the door? What's keeping us there? Let's look again at our Luke 15 story, right? So we have our joy grabbers and we have our joy givers. And the joy giver is also clear in this story. I would say we have joy when we participate in being on mission together. So back to our verse, our story, right? The son is outside the party and the father goes to get him. Now, I love that right there, because we always talk about the lost son as the first one, right? The 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 younger one. They're both lost. (laughs) So God is always reaching out to his lost children. He's always pleading with us, forever extending the invitation to us to choose life. He says always in scripture, choose life. See, I lay before you blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life. He pleads with us. Now, whether we are miles away, lost in the pig slop of sin and shame, or whether we are just inches from the door, lost in self-righteousness, he comes for his children. He comes for his lost children. So the father comes out and it says he pleads with him. He says, my son, everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And now here, friends, the Father hands us two remedies against back porch living. Two promises that pull us inside the house. One is remember who we are. He starts with my son. These are powerful two words. My son. Remember, lost one. You are my beloved child. You are my image bearer. You belong to your God in heaven and you are held by his unfailing and faithful love and grace and mercy. What greater joy could there be than that? He reminds him who he is. You don't belong on the back porch. You are my son. When we remember this, we will not, uh, we will stop grumbling and shine like stars, right? For we are burning bright then with an identity that will not perish, spoil, or fade. An identity that moth and rust cannot destroy. God's special possession, right? He says he calls us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We have been blessed with Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. So we are radiating a reflection of his luminous glory. That is the joy that we can have in knowing who we are. The shining. The shining. He says, my child, remember who you are, and this will guard against envy, because we will want nothing else. This can lead us into a life of such deep joy that cannot be stolen, no matter what our circumstances. The second antidote to the toxin of envy, I like when I use this word antidote, I always think of like Indiana Jones in that scene where he's like, got the poison, he's like, give me the antidote, I need it. So it's like, I want us to have this desperation, right? We hear this, we're like, oh man, I'm sitting at the back porch, Envy's got a foothold in me. What's the antidote? Give it to me, let's go. So here's the other antidote. The father says, my son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. That's amazing. The father reminds him first who you are. And then he says, everything I have is already yours. You too have a bear. You have a bear, and you have a bear, and you have a bear, and you have a bear, right? You did not have to work for it. It is a gift I have already given you. So friends, God comes to us and says, everything I have is already yours. That means God has given us access to his divine love, his divine power, his divine grace, and his divine forgiveness. He has given us everything we need for a life of godliness. By setting us free from this crushing weight of striving to earn our father's love. Now Paul said earlier to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work for it. One leads to rejoicing and the other will lead to weeping. Because we are invited to cultivate what's already been given to us by the grace of God. Working for God's favor will absolutely rob us of all joy. Absolutely. And what is more than we, like the elder brother will not be. Will end up being filled with contempt for those who are rejoicing in the party, for we will resent that they have that bear, and we don't, because we never reached out and received it. He says, everything I have is yours. Everything. So that means we have access to all that God has, including His joy. God's joy. That we can share in our Father's joy. We can therefore rejoice in what He rejoices in. Now, what can give us the greatest joyful attitude? Participating in God's mission to redeem all that is broken in the world. There is no greater and sweeter joy than anything we could hope for than this. And so, like Paul, when we do, maybe we'll be able to say the same thing. I rejoice with you. Rejoice with me. Because we're rejoicing with the Father over what he rejoices in. Yes? Macrina Witteker. I still can't really say her name right. Someone who's German here can say this right. Macrina Witteker says, Joy is the echo of God's life in us. Isn't that beautiful? Joy is the echo of God's life in us. Now Paul, who talks about rejoicing, how many times was it, Austin? Like 16 times in this book? Paul's life is evidently aligned in mission with God because he is so filled with joy. He is filled with God's joy. He rejoices and when God rejoices in. He is, the joy is the echo of God's life in Paul because he is aligned with God's mission. Now, I appreciate that the kids put the dishes away. I do. But when they put pots and pans away, they do so like raccoons on mess. Now, When I open the cupboard, everything falls out and hits me. It's not aligned well. Now Rob puts the dishes away like a Scandinavian architect. So when I open those cupboards, everything is aligned and nothing is falling on me. And I have great joy from not having to duck from falling lids. (laughs) Alignment. I recently found a physical therapist, thanks to the Bridges family and Kyle. I came into his office complaining of everything, everything. I've got this and I've got this and I've got this because I'm old now. I've got pains in my neck, my arm, my foot, my earlobe. And uh, he says, oh, okay. And he gives me a couple things to do. And I thought that he was going to give me specific instructions for each specific pain that I was going to have to work through. This exercise and this exercise, for this kind of thing. And he says, actually, all you have to do is align your hips, He shows me, you see some people nodding, you've been there. He shows me some simple exercises and he promises that all these various pains in my body will stop hurting if I did this one thing regularly. And I laughed. I was like, no way. How can this exercise help this and that? I don't get it. But I did it because Kyle and Evie told me to and they're kind of (laughs) bossy. And would you believe he was right? My foot stopped hurting, my back stopped hurting, my neck stopped hurting. It was all connected with my alignment. My hips tend to fall out of place by just a fraction of an inch from time to time. But it's enough to set the whole body off course. But when I align my hips, my body rejoices. Friends, when we are aligned with God... When our life is aligned with God's joy, God's kingdom vision, when we are on mission together, we have the joy of the Lord. And we are aligned with makes what makes God joyful. When we dream for what God dreams for, when we hope for what God hopes for, when we long for what God longs for, when we participate in what God is about, doing justice and loving mercy, honoring the marginalized and feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger fighting for the oppressed and reaching the spiritually lost, then we will find ourselves in a really joyful party, yes? When we get our spiritual hips into place, we can do the kingdom Macarena or the floss, whatever you, you do. When we are in alignment with God, we see what the Father is rejoicing about. And we want to, too. We see what is making God joy-filled, and we will rejoice. When we hear music of the kingdom notes being played, we will want to sing along, right? When we feel the beat of those kingdom rhythms, we are going to want to drum, too. When we see those kingdom moves, we are going to want to dance, too. We will want to get off that back porch and join the party, yes? God says, all I have is yours. Including this never-ending well of joy that belongs to God. So we ask ourselves, what makes God joyful? And we join in that. Friends, we have like this all-access pass to the joy of the Lord. And it will be our strength. It will be. God offers us all this exact same invitation, beloved children. He says, all I have is yours. You are my child. Come in. We can sit outside the back porch and let envy steal and rot our bones or remember who we are, all that we've been given. Come in and dance with the Father that the lost have been found. Align with God and mission and the joyful celebration of all of his resurrecting work in the world. No matter where we are, No matter how old or how young, how mobile, whatever we've been through, we are invited and we can participate in what God is doing in the world and be filled with his joy. So Paul encourages us today, rejoice with me, I rejoice with you. Join me and come in and shine like stars. Let's pray. Holy God, we, um, gosh, we confess. There are so many times we have just found ourselves sitting at the back porch, sulking, wondering where to find joy. So many things keep us there. Envy for sure is one of them, works based righteousness, is another. God, we, we know, we know you, we see you, and we, See this in scripture that you come for us and you come for everybody. No matter how far away or how close we are, you plead with us to come in and join the party. What's going on in in your home, God, is joyful celebration of your redeeming work in the world. And we are so grateful that you invite us to participate. Father, release us from the shackles of sin and things that keep us from joining you, from being filled with your joy and finding our strength therein. Father, thank you for this invitation to life, to choose life. God, this morning, I know that there's, there are souls here, there are people here. God, we are here, maybe still sitting on that porch and we have not heard you invite us and maybe this is the first time we've heard your voice invite us and say, come And join me and have life and life to the fullest and have joy that will fill your heart. And God, this morning, we we want to say yes to that. Friends, if that is something, if something is in your heart and you said, I have not come in. I have not accepted this invitation to a joy-filled life with God. I have not accepted the grace that is offered to me, freely given to me by our Father in heaven through Jesus his sacrifice for our sins and cleansing us from unrighteousness and saving us from death and bringing us to life. If you have not received that invitation today, I urge you to pray. Yes, God, I hear your voice. I am coming in to join this party. Yes, God, I received your invitation. If you have said that in your heart just now even, yes, God, I am coming in. Thank you for finding me. Will you please look at me? I see you. I see you. Father in heaven, I thank you for coming and finding us and saving us. Everything we have, we give back to you with praise and honor. You are the Lord of life and the Lord of joy. In your name, Jesus, amen. Wasn't it uh, an incredible gift to be able to receive this word from Pastor Becca this morning? Uh, Can we just thank her? (laughs) Thank the Lord. Uh, Selfishly, I have the opportunity to serve with her week in and week out. And I know many of you don't. Uh, you don't have the opportunity to rub shoulders with her. And uh, I can't tell you how much of a gift she is to me, um, to our students, to our church, and the ways that she continues to pour out her life and her call uh, into this place. And so, uh, Becca, we are so grateful for your leadership and your call in this place. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. I praise God. Friends, hear and receive this benediction from Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I'm going to add joy. Now go in peace, friends, and serve the Lord. Amen.